Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, folks, it is Friday, May 17th, 2019. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, uh, Vice President Joe Biden taking heat about the 1994 crime bill while he is trying to justify it. Senator Kamala Harris says it contributed to mass incarceration. Wait until you hear he play for what he had to say about it. But is he correct? Also, families' inability to pay for school lunches is becoming an increasing problem. We'll talk about Philando Castile's mother, who did something about it in Minneapolis. A New York Police Department supervisor, actually a commander, called the death of Eric Garner, was killed during an arrest for selling loose cigarettes. Not a big deal, according to testimony at the departmental trial of the officer who killed Eric Garner. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser is not feeling Donald Trump's plans for the 4th of July celebration. The nation's capital, Trump wants to change the whole plans. And he's literally focused on all the minor details. Dude, don't you have bigger things to worry about than the pomp and circumstance of a 4th of July parade and fireworks show that they can do without you and have done without you? 
Oh, middle school teacher in Minnesota is on leave after, for using the N-word with her students. Not a wise way to teach. Plus, in Orange County, California, mom lets her daughter's bullies know when you come for my daughter, you come for me. We might as well call that segment hashtag team whip that ass. All that plus picking up trash while black and the author of a children's book, Hair Love. And today I gave the commencement speech to the folks, students at, uh, of course, Bowie State University in Bowie, Maryland. We'll show you some of that as well. Folks, it is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the find. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Yeah, it's on go, go, roll, y'all. Yeah, yeah. It's rolling, Martin. In 2016, Hillary Clinton got nailed big time by African-American social activists because of her super predator's comment, which was uh, in defense of the 1994 crime bill. All the people kept criticizing her and her husband, President Bill Clinton, who signed that into law. Yet during the campaign, I kept trying to tell people, why is it that y'all are ignoring the very guy who wrote the crime bill, Obama's then Vice President Joe Biden? It never came up frankly, when Obama picked him to be his vice president. But now Joe Biden is running for president, and it is now getting some renewed attention. Well, one of the issues is that Joe Biden is also defending the 1994 crime bill. Now he's also taking some heat. So first off, we're going to show you this uh, video uh, of, uh, do we have the video, folks, of Joe Biden um, actually defending the crime bill? All right, so we don't have that video. I'm going to try to find it on my iPad, but it really was a trip uh, to see here Joe Biden. It was at uh, an event uh, where they, they were outside and he was asked about it. Now, it's interesting because previously Joe Biden talked about it having an impact uh, with regards to uh, the crime bill. Uh, but then all of a sudden now he, then he backtracked. Well, now he's out saying, hey, it uh, had no issue. It did not have an impact on mass incarceration at all. And again, he knows this is going to be an issue. So, th so therefore, he is now defending it. And so I'm trying to find that video while we are here. And so um, here is the video. I think I found it. I believe I found it of Joe Biden speaking there. This is a short clip. I'm going to play a longer clip. But uh, here's a short one. Nationally beat the NRA. Because when we did the crime bill, everybody talks about the bad things. Let me tell you about the good thing in the crime bill. It's the one that had the assault weapons ban. It limited the number of, of bullets in a clip. It made, made sure that cop killer bullets, Teflon bullets, weren't available any longer. It, it opened up the whole effort to make sure there's background checks for the first time in American history. Look, the Second Amendment exists. But it doesn't say you can own any kind of weapon you want. It doesn't say everybody's entitled to one. 
I'm the only guy ever nationally beat the NRA. All right, folks, uh, introduce our panel. Uh, joining us right now is Johanna LeBlanc, National Security and Foreign Affairs Legal Analyst. Also joining us is, uh, of course, White House correspondent, Talk Media News Network, John Christopher Boer, and Barbara Arnwine, President, founder of the Transformative Justice Coalition. I'm going to find this uh, longer clip uh, here, Barbara, in just a second, but I want uh, to start with you because on this, on this um, issue, again, you have Joe Biden who's out, who's talking about the crime bill, uh, knowing full well it is going to be an issue. And the problem for him is that many people obviously have talked about it. In fact, I found the longer clip, so here we go. This is the two minute and eight second clip. And that was, um, uh, so this is what Joe Biden, um, again, he was confronted on this very issue and was asked about it um, at, um, uh, this was, it took place uh, three days ago. Uh, and so uh, here we go right here. You're going to um, really repair a lot of the black and brown communities that have been ravaged by the war on drugs and mass incarceration. Specific policies that you're, you're outlining for that. That's a good essay question and a good question. <laughs> Folks, let's get something straight. 92 out of every 100 prisoners in a behind the bars are in a state prison, not a federal prison. This idea that the crime bill generated mass incarceration, it did not generate mass incarceration. The only bill, that bill had 30, it was 30 billion dollars. 10 billion dollars went to making sure there was rehabilitation, that it was for prevention. That's what it was about. Secondly, the court, I made sure there was a setup in that law that said there were no more mandatories except two that I had to accept. One was that President Clinton wanted three strikes and you're out. It was part of this entire bill that included the Violence Against Women Act, included the gun control efforts, as well as included, anyway, I won't go, it's raining. But here's the deal. What happened is the mass incarceration incurred by the states setting mandatory sentences. What happened was, if you go back and look, the Black Caucus supported the bill. The reason why the Black Caucus supported the bill is because we made sure I had a study done by my staff. And we found out, I remember Judge you and I talking about this, the fact of the matter is that the vast majority of people for a first-time offense, if they were black, they went to jail three times as long as of a white. For example, it used to be zero to 13 years for robbery. We went into every major of the 10, of the 10 circuit court districts. What were the sentences given to people who, if you're a white guy and you committed robbery the first time? You got, if memory serves me, between one and three years. If you're African-American, got between seven and nine years. So we set up the same crime, same time for the same crime. Barbara, your thoughts on, again, uh, Joe Biden offering a vigorous defense of the 94 crime bill. It's indefensible. The 1994 crime bill unquestionably helped to contribute to mass incarceration. Any position that doesn't acknowledge that is dishonest. And in fact, Bill Clinton admitted yes. that, that it, in, in 2016, that it, at, to, at the NAACP, that it contributed to mass incarceration. I was there when he did that. And it was very profound when he did that because one thing that Joe Biden has a problem with, we saw this with the Anita Hill, issue and we're now seeing this again with the crime bill and that is being honest and saying i really messed up and not having to be drugged after considerable heat and fire 
to saying the truth. And what bothers me about this one is, is that as president, he will have authority over more policy. I do think that if he can't be honest about the harm he's caused, then he cannot think that some of us will give him our votes. Um, John, the, 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 here's the thing. This is one of those things when, when Anita Hill um, story came back up when he went on The View. I came on this show and I said, Joe Biden, what the hell were you doing? What you should have said is, I own this. Right. I was a chair. Uh, I could have shut anything down. I didn't accept responsibility. Uh, the following couple of days later, he actually did that. <laughs> he, I, he, politicians don't want to admit where they're wrong. This is a bill that Senator Bernie Sanders voted for, but he also criticized it. He said he, he, he did not want to vote for it, but because it had uh, issues dealing with violence against women and other measures in it, that's why he voted for it, which is why they put all those things together. But this is one of those deals where if you're Joe Biden, dude, you're not going to win on this one. This is one where you just simply say, here were the things that was good about it. But yes, do the same thing Bill Clinton did. Because Bill Clinton learned the lesson. He sparred with a protester. He went back and forth. Hillary Clinton did. Yes. It's one of those things where in politics, guess what? You cut base, cut bait, and, and, and you go ahead and leave. If he tries to stand on this, it's going to be a problem for him with young African-American voters. No way. The question is, what the hell is he should be? What the hell should he do? He he should he should look in the mirror, and he should say, maybe what you feel is the right thing is not being perceived as the right thing, because I don't believe that Joe Biden is any way a bad person. I believe he really believes that he is not anything but a friend to the African-American community. I think that's the problem. He doesn't, he doesn't think that he's done anything wrong. But, but, the, but, but here's the deal, Johanna. This is not about who's a friend and who isn't. Right. This well, is about- Because this, he wants this, to get elected. No, 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 it's no, no, no. What this is about right. is- But if you don't look, believe it- Yeah, no, but, but, but here's what it's about. Congress, the death of Lynn Bias- Yeah. Created these new laws dealing with crack cocaine, dealing with drugs. And Capitol Hill, folks were just shocked and stunned at the number one draft pick for the University of Maryland, drafted by the Boston Celtics, uh, dies, of a uh, dies of a drug overdose, and they rushed into it. They did not talk to the experts to think about what were going to be the repercussions. Okay. Here you have an opportunity to say, we now see the result of passing bills and then what it led to. You can own up to a mistake, but if you keep trying to defend it, all you're gonna do is piss folks off. Yeah, um, really, Martin, I couldn't agree with you and my co-panelist anymore on this subject. I think that um, studies and history tells us that this bill actually did um, increase um, incarceration rate for African Americans, in particular black men. And I think that, um, you know, what Mr. Biden needs to do is essentially just to own up to it and say, you know what? I made a mistake. And and as my co-panelist indicated, this is someone who is going to be in charge of foreign policies. Right. If you cannot own up to your mistake, and we get it, people evolve, right? And, and, and it's not necessarily an issue, I think, it's not an issue where um, Mr. Biden intentionally um, supported or introduced legislation that would have a disproportionate impact on the black community. I think that 
there is a part of him perhaps wanted to help. And in the implementation of the policy, it ended up being detrimental to the black community. So own it. Say, you know what? This policy has broken up families. It has truly damaged the black community. I'm sorry. What do we have to do moving forward? And be open to accept policy proposals from experts in the community, the, such as yourself. Why, why Joe Biden fails on this, first of all, he is correct in the video that uh, most of the prison, prisoners in America are on the state level. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the crime bill was specific to federal. But here's where he makes the mistake, John. The crime bill provided economic incentives for states mm -hmm. to change their sentencing guidelines. Mm -hmm. States look to the federal government to take a lead. Bill Clinton, Joe Biden said in the video, insisted on three strikes. Well, when the federal level said three strikes, the states then went, cool, three strikes. And again, the, the proof is in the pudding. In the actual budget, in the actual, and again, a fact check was done, a fact check was done on it, and the reality is uh, that the, what the, the crime bill offered grants for new prisons to states that impose truth in sentencing policies, which impose mandatory minimums. Mm -hmm. The ma mass incarceration, it exploded as a result of the mandatory minimums. Mm -hmm. And that's what Joe Biden has to own up to. Well, mm -hmm. Joe, own up to it because there's a lot of people in this country think that you are the only one out there who can defeat this president, Donald Trump. So get with it, support your, your soul and your heart, but understand that you've caused some pain and some real consternation within lots of communities in this country. Get with it, Joe. And, and Barbara, and why he has to do that is because Trump is gonna sit here, and even though he's gonna sit here and tout Oh, I passed criminal justice reform. I signed the First Step Act. I corrected your problem. And that's what Biden has to recognize. Yes. And the reality is, is that his platform better be loaded with repair because the injury is not over. It's mm -hmm. not as if somehow this was something that happened and it's over. We are still dealing with an age of mass incarceration. United States, 25% of all the world's incarcerated, 5% of the world's population. There's no excuse for this. $80 billion annually of federal money for federal prisons. I mean, all of this is just insane. What he has to do is to come out and recognize that the injury he caused is still ongoing, and he has to recognize and take responsibility for coming up with programs and policies that are going to reverse that. And, and there's video, Barbara, there's yes. video of Joe Biden from 94 yes. talking about putting money in the bill to help states where state prisoners serve at least 85% of their time. The Dude, that's mass incarceration. Right. That was forcing people to serve 85% of their time as opposed to a judge saying, you know what? This person should only serve 20 or 30%. Joe, that's mass incarceration. So stop this, this, this game of saying that it... See, here's the game. This is the game. And in fact... I wanna, I'm going to play it again for y'all because I, I need you to understand. I need, I, and I keep telling y'all, again, how these games happen. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden wants to play the word game. 
this is what Joe Biden said. Listen, and then I'm going to deconstruct. Hi, my name is Catherine. Um, so I'm going to bring up the bad part of the crime bill that you sort of referenced. So I'm curious how you're going to um, really repair a lot of the black and brown communities that have been ravaged by the war on drugs and mass incarceration, specific policies that you're, you're outlining for that. That's a good essay question and a good question. <laughs> Folks, let's get something straight. 92 out of every 100 prisoners in a behind the bars are in a state prison, not a federal prison. This idea that the crime bill generated mass incarceration, it did not generate mass incarceration. He says, didn't generate mass incarceration. Now, the prison population in America exploded beginning in 1970. So, it is correct that the 1994 crime bill did not create mass incarceration. It was Richard Nixon's, his tough on crime policies, also on the state level, coming out of the civil rights movement. Don't, don't, don't miss that. Beginning in 1970. So you go forward in this 24-year period. Then you get to the 1994 crime bill. The 94 crime bill exacerbates what was already happening. And this, and so again, this is a huge thing for Joe Biden. He wants to do his, he doesn't want to trash it. All he has to do is to say the intentions that we had Mm -hmm. were this. You were saying this earlier. Mm -hmm. We did not realize Mm -hmm. it was going to cause this. Mm -hmm. Yes. Joe Biden can't get around that 85%. He can't get around that. And not only. Hold on. Mm -hmm. If you were a state Mm -hmm. and the federal government says, We've got several billion dollars to help you pay for prisons. That's right. If you change your state laws to ensure that they serve 85% of their time, the state is going to say, wait a minute, if I can pick up me a $300 million grant from the federal government to help build this prison, damn right, change those laws, y'all go to jail, you got to serve 85% of your time, and what did that do? That put people who were were non-violent offenders Mm -hmm. in prison serving 85% because they were modeled on the federal level. Mm -hmm. That is what contributed to it. Bill Clinton's three strikes, California did that. Absolutely. Filled the prisons up. Then then what happened? Prison overcrowding. They had to start releasing people. Why? Because of three strikes. Still dealing with it. And again, and three strikes was not even three murder strikes, three rape strikes, three armed robbery strikes. It literally was, if I had two strikes and I got arrested for stealing a piece of pound cake, that was my third strike. Right. Biden has to stop and understand if that's a problem. And let me tell you something right now. He's going to get crushed in that first debate if he tries to do that. Final comments on that. Johanna first, and then John, and then Barbara. And not only admitting the fact that, you know, this policy has had detrimental impact on the black community, not only that, but also hold on, hold on. providing... Hold Latinos, us, white folks, too. Absolutely. Let's be real clear. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but not only that, but also, you know, 
proposing a comprehensive legislation to address some of the wrongs that right. have been do done in the past as it relates to incarceration. Absolutely. You have to think about it. Families have been broken apart, right? You have children being raised by single parents because of Biden's policy, right? So we need to, I need to know what policies does Biden have, has in place, have in place rather, to ensure that the issue of mass incarceration in America is properly addressed. John. I like that. I think it's a good question. And uh, Mr. Former Vice President, hear that. Because people are upset, rightfully so. And you, if you are the next president and you have a Congress that will support this kind of legislation, mm -hmm. now is the time. This problem of the crime bill is ongoing. Vera Institute just released last week mm -hmm. a report on the mass, the growing mass incarceration of black women, mm. of women, and the total increase in the last number of years. Our communities have been destroyed mm -hmm. by this bill. Nothing less than a full, I apologize, I take responsibility, and I'm going to do everything in my power to repair it. Nothing short of that is acceptable. Again, he's going to uh, list if he does it, I doubt it. But if he does that again in front of a group of black folks, we gonna what's going to happen is he's going to get this. And I'm telling you, we when they had that first debate in June, if Joe Biden comes up with that defense, he's going to get jumped on by every single person <laughs> on that stage, especially Cory Booker, <laughs> especially Kamala Harris, yes. especially Elizabeth Warren. You know, so that. Joe, I'm just saying you might be called a straight shooter, Joe. Uh, I wouldn't use that line because, uh, hell, my niece would destroy you on that one. <laughs> and I guarantee you the other candidates will as well. Folks, we'll talk about what is sick in this nation, is that how, how you can have Donald Trump and others tout uh, this being the richest nation in the world and all of our vast resources, how we have the most powerful military in the world. So how in the hell do we have 75% of U.S. school districts reporting student meal debt? In Rhode Island, students who hadn't paid for lunches they got cold meals until a company stepped in and actually, and, actually, and actually paid for it. In New Hampshire, a lunchroom employee, y'all, was fired. Mm. Was fired. Ridiculous. For allowing a student to take food and to pay the school back the next day. In Minnesota, one high school attempted to prevent students from attending the graduation ceremony if they had lunch debt. <laughs> And Philando Castile's mother paid off the school yes. lunch debt for students at Cooper New High School in New Hope, Minnesota. The money was donated last month on behalf of the Philando Castile Relief Foundation. It was around $8,000 or so. Dollars. What is crazy, John, is we literally are talking about penalizing kids for the school lunch debt? I am an adjunct professor here in Washington, have been for 11 years. I have students who have to work three jobs yes. to pay off their meal plan. Right. These are not the elitist kids. These are hardworking kids. What I find abhorrent and really, really disgusting and the root of all of this dumbing down of America, because the stupider you are, the more you will actually vote for Donald Trump, is that our Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, brother of Eric Prince, and we all know who, what he's all about, never even had an education degree, and she has never taught a class of students in her life. 
This is a disgrace. This is where we're headed as a country to shame students. I mean, many kids, as we all know, we travel around, we go all over the place, Roland. That's sometimes it's the only meal that students, that these young kids get is this meal that they're getting in school. How the hell, Johanna, literally, we're, gonna, we're not going to let you graduate because of school lunch debt. This is and then in Rhode Island, oh, the hell with that. Here's some cold food. Oh, my goodness. You know, when, you can't think without food you know, when, in your belly. How callous is that? When, when I read that story, um, it literally broke my heart because um, as someone who came from very humbling beginnings, I had to rely on food stamps to get through, you know, undergrad and, and, and such mm -hmm. and, and high school. And so I understand what it's like to not have money to eat, right? And when you cannot eat, when you don't have a proper meal, you can't focus. You can't think, right? You can't succeed in the classroom. And the fact that America is so rich, right? We have all the resources. This is not an issue about the country not having enough resources to, to um, feed these children. It's about people just don't care about poor people anymore in this country. Where's the humanity, right? I mean, these kids, we have the resources to ensure every child in America has a hot meal before class starts, right? Um, and and we're, not, we're, not, we're not doing that, and it's, and it's heartbreaking. Well, it puts the lie to this. Um, it really puts the lie to this whole mythology that we got this great economy. When in reality, hunger has gone up in this country. In reality, poverty has gone up in this country. In reality, the jobs, the quote, unemployment, the jobs people are working aren't paying enough. Mm -hmm. That's why parents can't pay for their children to eat at school because we're not giving them the quality jobs that pay them the kind of money that they can have the ability to feed their own families. Yeah. This is the tragedy of America. And when we, you know, I just think that we got to really be very clear that this vulture capitalism economy that we live in right now is just siphoning off everybody's ability to succeed. So it's very, very, very important that we come up with other measures to, instead of punishing children, mm -hmm. punishing the children, that we come up with other measures that allow people to eat, be fed, and to be able to go to school. Now, let me tell you, Roland, I was one of those kids, too, who had to hide out in the library during lunchtime because I didn't have the money to buy lunch. Uh, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm very, very lucky that I got through all of that. But it's wrong. It's wrong, and a lot of people don't. Uh, and also, it's also a country that actually pays farmers not to grow food. Right. Isn't that so? Right. That makes no sense whatsoever. All right, folks, let's go to New York, of course, where Daniel Pantaleo, the officer who killed Eric Garner, is facing a uh, New York Police Department hearing. Here's what is stunning. A New York Police Department commander called the death of Eric Garner. Not a big deal, according to testimony at the trial of Pantaleo, who's the one who applied the deadly chokehold. Now, after Pantaleo choked Garner from behind and before three other officers tackle him, mm -hmm. Sergeant uh, Danan Samanov told Lieutenant Christopher Brannon in a text message that Garner, quote, was most likely DOA. He has no pulse. That's according to evidence presented on Thursday. The, uh, the Staten Island Advance and New York Times both reported, and that's when Lieutenant Brannon responded, not a big deal. We were effecting a lawful arrest. Gosh. When the text messages were read out loud, the courtroom audience was stunned. First of all, 
I'm not stunned at all, Barbara, because the reality is there's a callous disregard for life. Officers also know that they're not going to get in trouble. They know that they're not going to be disciplined. Eric Garner was murdered four years ago, and it is now that Pantaleo is facing this hearing. Not, he's not facing murder charges. He's not facing a trial. He literally is facing a hearing as to whether or not he should keep his job. It is a disciplinary hearing of the NYPD. And the only person who was punished was the gentleman who took the video. Who went to prison. Went to prison. For, who took the video of the killing of Eric Gardner. To Glenn, to Glenn Carr and all the family members, I am so sorry that you're having to go through this because this is just wrong. The bottom line is that Black Lives Matter Say her name when you talk about the black women who have been killed by police. The bottom line is that when we read no big deal, that's why we say Black Lives Matter. That's why we are have to you know, fight for accountability by the police. Pantaleo needs to go. He needs to be in jail. He doesn't even, this, this is just, this just is beyond me that we are at this point and this uh, lieutenant he needs to be disciplined because anybody who's in a command position who has that kind of devaluation of black lives has no business being on the street, has no business being in command. John. I, I'm going to sound like Bill Clinton. I feel the pain. <laughs> I grew up in New York City. I grew up a mile away from Donald Trump in Queens. Okay? Mm. I know him as a young man. He was a fraud then, and he's a fraud now. There is no one who is in the White House at the moment, and very few in Congress, who are going to take your cause and say, let's make it happen. Right. You, you and you and I, all of us, we need to have these kinds of discussions with everybody. Yes. Because when you put a chokehold on a young man and he says, I can't breathe, you stop. Okay? But that's a moral question. And we are not... This country, I did. I tweeted out before some unbelievable thing that Trump put up, and I wrote, Lincoln wept, JFK wept, Ike wept, MLK wept, Robert Kennedy wept, okay? This is what we're talking about. You know, the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. This is what we need to talk about because we have to pull together as a country and make sure that we get rid of the tyrant and make sure that Putin, I'm sorry, is literally running the show. But it goes beyond. But, 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 but it, go, yeah. it goes beyond in Trump and Putin. What this really goes to on a very we have no uh, country. Uh, no, 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 no. But no, no. no, 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 no what this goes to on a on a on a small level, Johanna, is very simple. Uh, yep. You have to change the contracts of police unions because here's the problem. Yes. The problem is the contracts, which yes. and what they do is. They literally hold a gun to the head of legislators yes. in San Antonio. San Antonio wanted to put in uh, additional measures to protect citizens. The union said, oh, okay, fine, you want that? Well, then you must add uh, pay increases in every single year. They said, wait, 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 wait. what the hell is I got to do with pay increase? They literally were saying, oh, we will only agree to that if you had pay increases. In cities all across the country, they fight in, in collective bargaining. Mm -hmm. They fight the inclusion in the union contracts to be able to deal with guys like this. I have said for the longest 
if you're a police officer and you turn your body camera off, automatic firing. Right. If you turn your dash cam video, if you turn the audio off, automatic firing. If you lie on a police report, automatic firing. They don't want that because what they know is a police officer can lie, can make it up, and they will get protected by the department, mm -hmm. protected by district attorneys, and protected by judges. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the issue is obviously lack of accountability, right? Um, and, and also another greater issue outside of um, the gentleman who, who died is that, um, you know, when you have people in leadership with that kind of mindset, Woo! it translates into policies, yes. right, that will have a direct like impact there's nothing on, wrong. on individuals, right? So we have to be mindful of, you know, how we pick our mayors because the mayor... Um, is oversees the, the police department and, and appoints the police chief. So all of these things well, are, are and a strong mayor for McGovern, a city manager for McGovern, a city manager appoints it. But I get, but go ahead. Okay, all of it is you know is mm -hmm. interconnected, right? Yeah. So we have to take control. We have to to hold these folks accountable for their actions because the comment that this officer this uh, this officer made no big deal. It's it, I mean it's uh -huh. not the first. You know, right. I mean, it's the, maybe, maybe well, they it's say worse than that. that. Well, first of all, we, we saw we what happened in Baltimore, right? Freddie Gray, right. where uh, to this day you still, it's, it's sort of as Freddie just killed himself, mm -hmm. uh, but we know about the rough rides right. in the vans as well. Yeah, it's yeah, not but, the first nor the last, but, unfortunately. But, but you also, what you have here is you have also Bill de Blasio, mm -hmm. who did not lead mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, four years. Four, you, how does it take four years for a disciplinary mm -hmm. hearing? Mm -hmm. Four years? Mm -hmm. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what? We had to go find witnesses. We had to go talk to some people. But again, that's the dragging mm -hmm. out, and hopefully, hope people also forget about it. And uh, this officer should be fired for making this comment. Oh, well, period. yeah, but, 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 but no, that's period. not. Well, first of all, okay, the, the guy wasn't fired for choking fired. somebody today. Right. He needs uh, to be but fired. But then, definitely the comment. Folks, let's talk about, again, uh, you know, I do get sick and tired of talking about him, Shoot. but uh, every 4th of July, there's this huge fireworks display here in the nation's capital. Uh, well, and of course, uh, Donald Trump wants to make it all about him. Yeah. He literally is uh, ordering the moving of the fireworks show from the National Mall uh, and to uh, a barge or an area near where he, he wants to speak. He wants to speak in front of the Lincoln Memorial. Okay, so he wants to change it. And in fact, uh, the newspapers are reporting that he is so engaged in the minutia of this. Now, y'all, look, this has been going on for, for years, okay? This thing is so etched in stone. They know exactly where it's going to be. They know the routes. They know where people are going to sit. The traffic route, all those different things. But now Trump wants to completely up in this entire deal because he wants to make this about a spectacle about him. <clears throat> Why? Because when he went to the day of Bastille, uh, what happened there? Bastille Day. He saw, oh my God, all of this pageantry, and <laughs> I want one of these. So he came back in here and ordered, we're going to have a grand military parade. <laughs> he literally wants, speaking of Putin, he wants what Putin does, what Russia has always done, what North Korea does. He wants the big military display. He wants to see tanks rolling down the streets. He wants to see, uh, he wants to see uh, the missile launchers rolling down. He wants to see thousands of troops. Well, when, they, when uh, of course, they showed him the cost, how, many, how much money it was going to cost, and he nixed that. But now he's trying to flip the big 4th of July 
celebration into his own little patriotic party. Well, Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser is not too happy. This is what <laughs> she said to the Washington Post, quote, the president can speak at any event that he wants to speak at. And my great hope would be that he recognizes that the event is a unifying event that celebrates the birthday of our nation. The problem with this, John, is this ain't about you. <laughs> it's not about you. And they have a system. It is in place. Literally, they can walk in there and do this here. <sighs> okay, that's the plan. We've used it for the last 15 years. No, he now wants to change everything. And normally what happens is, for this celebration, because presidents care about the public, presidents don't attend it because they know when the president attends something, it totally changes security. No, he doesn't give a damn about the hundreds of thousands who come into D.C. to watch the fireworks show. No, he wants a big old party where Donald Trump is the man standing in front of Lincoln Memorial. And frankly, I think if he does that, Abe is going to get off that damn chair and <laughs> give him a swift kick in his ass. Your thoughts on... Mr. I want a big party for myself. Well, as you, as you said, um, if the president is included in this Fourth of July uh, festivity, um, there will be heightened security, which would, um, in essence, take away from the joy and, and all the fun that citizens it don't. usually... No, 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 no. It changes everything. It changes yeah. traffic patterns. Absolutely. It changes, Absolutely. Everybody has to get now checked. Oh, Absolutely. It changes bad. Absolutely. People yes. come Absolutely. in with their food Absolutely. and their yes. drink. Absolutely. And they sit with their it changes everything. And he is so arrogant yeah. that he can't even go, you know what? I don't want to inconvenience the American public. I'm going to keep my butt at the White House and watch it from the balcony. Yeah, so it, it'll change it for the for the American public and other people who are interested in the Fourth of July celebration. So I think that the president should definitely reconsider his position and, and and think about the American people to see whether or not this will really impact She'll, their ability to really enjoy Fourth of July. John, the narcissist is, is all about him. It's it's not Red Square. This is not <laughs> Nuremberg rallies, Mr. President. You are not the dictator. Soon you will find out how much you are not the dictator. And you know, Mira Bowser, you stopped him from the last time he got these highfalutin concepts when you realized that tanks going down Pennsylvania Avenue was something you're going to have to repair as, yep. as the chief executive. It's going to destroy the streets. Thank the you. streets were not built Thank you. to carry tanks. You want to do that? Go to Pyongyang or go to Red Square in Moscow. Well, you know, maybe you will. Maybe Putin will invite you over. You can stay for a few Years. <laughs> he is a fascist, narcissist. He thinks he is a megalomaniac. He, is. he thinks he's a demagogue. He thinks he's Mussolini. He he's thinks like he's Mussolini. right. More like Mussolini than Hitler. He's, right. Well, he's struts and pushes. He, he's, he's Mussolini. This is a Mussolini move, everybody. You he, know what happened he, to Mussolini? Though. Right. Okay. Enough said. <laughs> he's a state, straight up fascist, and it's ridiculous that we have a cowardly Senate because uh, Congress ought to be checking him. Muriel Bowser, thank you, but that's really Congress needs to well, be reining this guy that's in. That's where the impeachment comes in. And yes. we'll see if an, enough yes. information is given up in the next couple of weeks. Mnuchin decided he would thwart that that uh, giving up the uh, the taxes today. There's There's the fight over the Mueller report. Rolling, you know, one after the other after the other. Yes. The fact is, 
people are calling for the impeachment. Why? Well, you're not going to win the House again, or the Senate wouldn't approve it. The fact is, that is the only way, doctor, that the information will get out. And I believe live TV televised impeachment hearings work. They work. Look what happened to Nixon. Well, he had to resign. They're imperative. Are, yeah, but again, the bottom line is uh, he wants a big ass party and he shouldn't get it. All right, for some. I'm not going. I'm going to. Well, I don't go anyway <laughs> uh, because I read Frederick Douglass. It's what ridiculous. the slaves are thinking about the Fourth of July on that particular hey, day. Hey. So I celebrate Juneteenth. All right, y'all, gonna go to a break. We'll be back on Roller Martin Unfiltered in just a moment. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, fam, I invited you to come out swinging and join me for a day of golf uh, at the University for Parents Golf Tournament on Saturday, June 22nd in Southwest Atlanta's Wolf Creek Golf Course. It's a golf tournament with a purpose, a fundraiser for the University for Parents, a program designed to empower parent learners through education, inspiration, and support. It's all a part of Susan Taylor's National Cares Mentoring Movement. And when you empower the parents, you empower the children as well. Location of the tournament is 3000 Union Road, and the shotgun start time is 9 a.m. To register, go to www.u, the letter U for parents.org, letter U for parents.org. For more information, be sure to call 770-316-3487, 770-316-3487. I certainly hope to see you there. All right, folks, it's time for another edition for Crazy Ass White People. <laughs> no charcoal girls are alive. I'm white. I got you, huh? y'all, a Minnesota teacher has been placed on leave after a video showing her using a racial slur while speaking to middle school students went viral. St. Paul Public School Superintendent Joe Gothard promised in a statement to take aggressive action after video was posted online of teacher Wendy Berlowski using the N-word at Highland Park Middle School. The video we found has censored her use of the word. Check it out. No, 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 that's what you've been saying. That's what you should be repeating what you're saying. But. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Huh. I don't feel sorry for Wendy. Y'all know Wendy gonna lose her job. And I keep telling y'all. She needs to. But I keep telling people, never every time one of these crazy white folks do something, black people should line up for that job. We yes. will end black ah, unemployment like quickly <laughs> if that happens. Now, let's go to, uh, this is not a crazy-ass white person. This is a straight-up real sister. One thing you don't do Ooh. is play with black mamas when it comes to their kids. Unfortunately, students at Nigel Hills Middle School in Orange County, California, did just that. When Kristen Tinsley found out that her daughter was being bullied and sexually harassed by classmates. Mm -hmm. Let's just say um, her mama <laughs> decided 
uh, to roll to the school, uh, and she can be a charter member of hashtag Team Whip That Ass. That's that's one my daughter. She's a girl. Y'all are boys, okay? If y'all bully my daughter, if you look at her the wrong way, if you breathe the wrong way, send your mom to me. Sisters, aunts, anybody over 18, I'll fuck them all up. Do you understand me? Leave my daughter alone, and I'm not going to say it again. If I have to go to every class, I'll do that. And I'm letting you know right now, any mom, any sister can catch these hands, okay? That's Period. That's I am. Y'all gonna leave her alone. I, I mean, no messages online, don't post nothing about her. None of that. None of that. Y'all don't know me. Y'all think y'all bullies? I'm the big bully, okay? Let that be known and understand that. Leave my daughter alone and I mean it. And if I have to come up here again, it's gonna be problems. She's a girl, she can't handle that. Y'all are boys. If y'all are girls, I tell her to meet you after school and handle it outside like a real one. But since you guys are boys and she can't do anything, tell your moms, tell your sisters, tell your aunties, cousins, whoever. As long as we're over 18, we can handle it any day. You understand that? You don't pick them up. Ass whoopings. Ass whoopings for free. For free. You ain't even got to pay for it. For free. Do y'all understand me? Leave this girl alone. She's taken care of. You won't play that, okay? And I'm not going to call out no names, but you're going to leave her alone, and I mean it. Whippers for free. <laughs> That's a new hashtag. <laughs> I, hey, Barbara, I, look, I understand. I, I mean, I, this reminds me of a few years ago. I was on Dr. Phil's show. Remember the brother down, he was in Florida, where his daughter kept picking on his daughter mm -hmm. uh, and was special needs daughter. And so my man got on the school bus and he was like, yo, miss my daughter again. I'm kicking all y'all. I mean, mm. he went off. And they tried to charge him. And so I was on Dr. Phil with him. I said, yo, Doc, I'm with the daddy. The daddy was like, you mess with my daughter, you mess with me. I'm with mom said, y'all gonna catch these hands. Hey. I'm with mom. I, yo, I'm with her. It's called BMWA. Black mama whipping ass. You don't mess with a black mama. You don't mess with their children. You don't do this mess. I mean, the bottom line is she put it on the line. She did not threaten the kids now. Yeah. She was very clear. And what I love is her essential... No, she threatened the kids. Oh, oh, but her essential analysis is that this mess starts at the house. Because she said, send the 18-year and over folks to me. Send my your aunts, your moms. Send them because she knows that's where it starts. She knows that they're coming from households where people are talking the N-word, where they're making fun of black folks, where they're denigrating our lives, and she was right to put but it where it belongs. John, this is where you walk in, and this is where you take matters in your own hand, and you send a message to the kids. <laughs> in fact, if that's my kid, I'm saying point them out. Point them out. <laughs> I'm, t I'm telling you right now, if it's my kid, I'm going to say point them out. And then yeah. I'm going to sit there after school and I'm waiting with their little ass when their parents roll up. <laughs> and I'm rolling up on parents. I'm like, you know what? Your punk ass son is a bully. That's what I'm doing. Let me tell you something. My mother, did the same, my, mother did. my mother did the same thing. I did too. When I got bullied as a little kid. And if my brother wasn't around who was eight years older than me, who would stand there in the schoolyard and scare them all to death, my mother would go in. Not only would she go into the kids, she'd go into the teacher. And she said, you're picking on my son. You're making, he's coming home and crying. You're, you're, call, you're calling him names. She said, I will, I will take care of you. You know what? 
Black mamas and white mamas unite for their children because this is the most crucial thing you have. This is what you give to the world, and this is what you want to make sure the world respects. And so not I, but racial harassing. Yeah, I, I applaud this, this mother racial. for taking no, the approach that she yeah. took. Of course it because was. Because as we know, bullying um, leads to um, low self-esteem oh. and sometimes even death, right? So yeah, yeah, bullying, the kids are the kids out yeah, there bullying. who actually uh, committed yeah. suicide. Exactly. Absolutely. Bullying, bullying, so bullying is a real issue that impacts children all across this nation, all across yeah. the world every day. Suicide. So I, I, yes, absolutely. So I applaud the mother for taking this, okay. this approach, even though I probably would have done it a little bit different because I'm looking at it from a legal perspective. How, right. you know? I knew that <laughs> You a lawyer? <laughs> I'm looking for a legal perspective. Why, you a lawyer? Yeah. So, yeah. Why? Well, I mean, you have to look at the legal aspect of What's it, What's right? the legal aspect? Uh, uh, so, no, no, wait. What's the legal aspect? Oh, the fact that she's threatening folks. You know, you're not supposed to threaten anyone, right? It's, it's illegal. Arrest me. Right, right. Look, no, look, the reason I get it. Look, yeah. I'm telling you, when, yeah. when, I, when I was in uh, middle school, there was, there was some kids who were on the bus, and they were sitting there horsing around, and then uh, <laughs> they wanted young women, so a guy, he grabbed her shirt, uh, and then her breast got exposed. Yeah. And so it was a dude who was who was uh, dark skin named Roland. Mm -hmm. So they were like, Roland did. I'm like, yo, I wasn't even I'm a, I wasn't even sitting here uh, back there with y'all crazy mm -hmm. fools. So these cats wanted to fight me and my brother. So my dad came huh? to the middle school mm -hmm. and, he was, and he got on. So he came to the middle school, got on the bus, mm -hmm. sat there, did the same thing she said. He said, let me tell y'all something right now. Not a single one of y'all gonna touch either one of my sons. Yeah, I, I just hope and, that. And so then one of the dudes mm -hmm. on the bus pulls a knife out. My dad was like. Give me a goddamn knife. Mm -hmm. And say I was saying, you gonna pull a knife on me? He said, Jesus, I'm telling all y'all right now, one of y'all touch one of my sons. Y'all dealing with me. We have no issues for the rest of junior high school and no issues in high school. Yeah. Because, because, because the deal is, look, you had, um, uh, we've had uh, the, the young kid, uh, the young boy, 10 years old in Houston, Oh, who so committed bad. suicide because of bullying. Absolutely, young yeah. Girl. It's so a you literally issue. have kids who are yeah. killing themselves. Yeah, there's no doubt and the about fact, that. the mama also said, and don't y'all say Jack online. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Because That's there yes. are a lot, yes. because a lot of, yes. the difference between old school and today yeah. is that bullying may have stopped when you left school. Yeah. yeah. Now they are bullying them on social media as yeah. well. Yeah. So it, 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 it is. classmates get that same message. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Johanna, go ahead. It, it is oh, my yes. hope that the mother does not have to resort to violence um, in, in an effort to ensure that her child is safe from bullying. I hope that the kids get the message and the person who's actually um, abusing her child on, at, at school gets the message in this behavior. Oh, no, they got the message. Um, that, they got the that, message. Y'all don't scary, want so. these hands. Right, right. Well, let's hope you don't have to. Hey, 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 guess what? I advise y'all, I advise y'all, get y'all kids in check. Hashtag team whip that ass. All y'all, a white police officer in Colorado has been placed on leave after detaining a black man for picking up trash in front of his home. Actually, but no, he that he was initially placed on leave. Now he is quitting the force. Y'all remember this video? Go ahead and play the video. This took place uh, a couple months ago. The encounter began when the officer was patrolling a residential area that is considered private property. And asked the man if he belonged there. Well, the man was cooperative and even gave the officer his school ID. He asked the man to sit down and put down his weapon, which was a trash clamp. Well, guess what? That officer, hmm, he is now saying, you know what? I'm good. It's time for me to go. Uh, that's called, uh, I'm going to get fired, so let me go ahead and bounce anyway. And so uh, that's what we have there. So, yeah, again, another job opening. Another job opening. Another job opening, but here's the problem. 
don't be surprised if he's able to get a job in a neighboring right. uh, city, which is also part of the problem. All right, folks, you probably heard about the children's book, Hair Love, that tells the story of a black father learning to do his daughter's hair. Now, you really need to get this book for your kids. It's a pretty funny book. Author Matthew Cherry, who's also a former NFL player, who's turned movie director and author, uh, he uh, sat down with me, along with illustrator Vashti Harrison, to talk about the book. Check out our conversation. All right, folks, we're joined by, of course, uh, Matthew uh, Cherry, Vashti Harrison. First of all, Vashti, really? Black people know Vashti McKenzie, Bishop Vashti McKenzie. You know, uh, all these Vashtis we know. My mom is Trinidadian, and in Trinidad they say Ah, oh, got it. See, yeah. they say Vashti. Exactly, they say Vashti. Now, when they hopped across that pond, it was like, uh, <laughs> you, you come to America like Vashti. Exactly. <laughs> and black people draw it out. Vashti. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So when you so when y'all on the road, how, how often do you hear bash time? I hear lots of different things, but bash time is pretty common. Yeah, I probably call there three different versions myself. So. <laughs> so how did this book originate? You know, we were we I had this idea to do a, a animated short film, um, you know, of a dad uh, trying to figure out how to do his daughter's hair for the first time, and the hair ends up having a mind of its own, uh, <laughs> which I, is real life. Yeah, which is real life. Um, I, I remember seeing all these viral videos of dads. Uh, you know, just like playing with their daughters, you know, like playing with them or doing their hair. And, you know, it was kind of like a double-edged sword because obviously it was really great that these videos were going viral. But also I was like, you know, probably a reason why this is happening is because people aren't used to seeing it. Right. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of misconceptions and stereotypes that we're not involved in our kids' lives, let alone doing, like, these small, menial domestic tasks with our kids. And, you know, I just thought it'd be a great opportunity to kind of show that we are in our kids' lives and try to, you know, break some of these uh, negative images that we have of ourselves. And then you got involved. Pop. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So he launched the Kickstarter campaign and reached out to me to create some kind of art so that people would have an idea of what the movie was. Now, you had previously done children's books? Uh, yeah, exactly. So I write and illustrate children's books, and I also do illustrations here and there for visual development work. And mm -hmm. so that's what he was looking for. And I think it was during the, the process of the Kickstarter campaign that people had suggested and had mm -hmm. the idea that we should produce it as a picture book. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not technically involved in the movie, but when, when the book got picked up, um, by Coquila Books, they reached out to me to ask me if I would consider illustrating the book. So it, it didn't have to be me, but it worked out that it was. So you did a crowdfund. Yeah. Uh, and uh, how much did you raise? Uh, we raised um, roughly almost two, three hundred thousand. It was like two hundred eighty-three. And so. were you were you shocked by that? Yeah, yeah. It was crazy, man. It was like the craziest thing I've ever been a now, part now, of. Now the Kickstarter was for. The whole project. The short film. Yeah. The short film. Yeah. Well, well, one of the gifts that we offered was for a, for a picture book. We just didn't know how we were going to figure it out. And then um, <laughs> three or four days into the campaign, uh, Namrata, who is our um, kind of the editor and she's like the head of the Coquila Books, she um, reached out and was like, look, I'm, I'm a big fan of this. You know, we're about to start this new division. And I just think it would be really awesome if we could help uh, make the book with you guys. And it was just like that, we had a book deal. Why, why do you think it resonated the way it did? You know, I think it was a lot of things. You know, I think timing is really important. You know, I think um, at that time, you know, Into the Spider-Verse hadn't come out. And so, you know, there weren't a lot of images of black fathers and daughters or, you know, African-American characters in general and in, in, in really any animated feature films. You know, they had Princess and the Frog and the Rihanna movie Home, but 
at the time, that was really it. You know, maybe a couple of side characters. So, you know, my thing was just if we could do something that centers on a black family, but actually have the hair be the thing that's magical and has a mind of its own, you know, we could kind of center it on that. And, um, you know, since then, obviously, Into the Spider-Verse has come out and all these great projects that center us. So, you know, it's, it's really great to see. And I think the more people that see stuff like this, and especially kids get to see themselves represented, the better. Uh, Vashti, it is interesting when you talk about black hair, how for non-black people, it's like this thing. <laughs> uh, I mean, this, uh, my, uh, my godmother talked about being in China uh, and uh, folks just wanted just to touch her hair. Uh, and then you, you, can, you can ask any number of black women this whole deal, oh my goodness, can I touch your hair? Mm -hmm. Like, no, no, you just can't touch my hair. <laughs> you think about the Chris Rock documentary, right. uh, uh, was it was good hair. Good hair yeah. you, think, you think about all of these conversations even just what just recently passed in California, where they've uh, out, uh, where the bill is going through mm -hmm. to outlaw discrimination when it comes to hair, and it is something that is certainly different and unique mm -hmm. uh, to folks of African descent. Yeah, you know, I illustrate for a living. I draw pictures. I don't have the biggest platform, but I feel like with what I do, I can help normalize these things, normalize and, and create beauty and, you know, infuse a little bit of magic into the everyday life. So, you know, I make books for kids and I want to encourage them to know that there's nothing wrong with the hair that comes out of your head. You can wear it however you like and sometimes it can be magical um, because there are going to be influences from outside that are going to, you know, challenge mm -hmm. everything that we do. But... You know, if, if we can help them feel better about themselves from the ground up when they're that little, I think, you know, that's just one way to start. But I also think it's, it's accepting what is normal. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think back to a number of years ago, um, Earl Graves, of course, founder of Black Enterprise, uh, caused this huge stir when he made it clear. He said, if you want to intern with uh, Black Enterprise, you can't have dreads. Mm -hmm. His whole deal was... This is this is the standard in corporate America. This is in terms so mm -hmm. to understand that standard. Look, look, when it comes to dress, when it comes to suits and ties and look, and so we're going to train you for that. Uh, we think about um, NBA. It was really Allen Iverson in the corner mm -hmm. to sort of change uh, change that. You had, of course, the brothers in the ABA with the big, huge mm -hmm. afros, Dr. J. But again, it became this whole yeah. thing. Well, no, no, no. In order for us to, in essence, assimilate, mm -hmm. we have to change. I think for African Americans, it, we can go down that road right. where change your hair, change your mm -hmm. dress, change your tone, mm -hmm. change your walk, your talk, all those things. Cam Newton going right. to the Good Carolina Panthers, an owner saying, "Don't have a tattoo." Right. And and so. And so I think when you talk about normalizing it, it's saying, okay, that is normal. I got right. my wife and I raised six nieces. Mm -hmm. Hell, I've seen this <laughs> constantly. Right. My fact, I was with my nieces uh, a month ago. They look just like this. I mean, that's so it's normal. And now what is normal for us now is going out into the world. Mm -hmm. And that has to be accepted as well that. You can wear your hair natural if you're a television anchor. Yes. Exactly. You can wear your hat if you're an athlete as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, remember Ricky, Ricky Williams when he had, he was like one of the first NFL players to wear dreadlocks. And, you know, people were talking about him, you know, acting like he was Jamaican and all this other stuff. And now if you turn on the NFL help game. You love weed the mountain right, right. <laughs> I mean, let's just, let's just be real, true. real honest. True, 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 true. <laughs> but, um, but, but if you look at an NFL game now, now you see, you know, 20, 30 players on the field right. will have locks at, at a certain time. So, you know, sometimes it just takes that that one or two people to, you know, really just 
make this not, not really a stand, but just be yourself and change the image. Yeah, and you change the we image. We tried to do that a little bit with the father character, mm -hmm. Stephen, and that he's a young man. Who yeah, I see the tattoos. Has, has yeah. the physique of maybe right. a basketball player. Uh -huh. He could be, you know, any kind of athlete. But we're just saying this is a dad. Or just a brother with muscles. This is a dad that loves yeah. his daughter. Mm -hmm. And why can't a dad look like that? Yeah. Well, first of all, the only reason I say a brother with muscles is because it absolutely drives me crazy. Uh, <laughs> anybody who follows me on social media knows this. It drives me crazy when I'm traveling and I have my Texas A&M gear on. <laughs> or uh, if I'm wearing Houston Astros, Houston Rockets, mm -hmm. or Houston Texans. And the first assumption is I play ball. Right. Then the second assumption is was our coach. Right. And they go through all this sort of stuff. It's kind of like, okay, when are you going to get to the graduate part? Right, right, like, right. Can, like, when are you going to get around to... <laughs> maybe I just simply went to school there. Right. Uh, and, and so and, and, and so I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm, I'm a huge uh, advocate of, try, again, trying to get white folks to understand, stop this perception that if you mm -hmm. see somebody black who you think is <laughs> muscular or could play ball, right. don't assume that. Right. And say, wait a minute, because if you see a white guy, <laughs> you you don't automatically think, oh, he's a baller. Right. right. And again, those perceptions come in. Right. And I think I think a lot of people really, as somebody, look, I've been in media since I was 14. Right. Who really don't understand the power of images. This right. is actually, what you're doing with movies, that's actually America's greatest export. Right. What right. we see around the world. Right. Well, and, and that's the thing, like, you know, Images are so powerful, and like imagine growing up and never seeing yourself represented. You you look at magazines, you look at TV shows, you look at movies, and you see people with lighter skin. You see people with sh this straight blonde hair, and you don't see yourself represented. You know, you come back home and you look in the mirror, and you know that that can make you feel less confident about yourself. And so all we're trying to do is just simply say, look, we see you. You know, we think this is a very specific niche, um, but also it's universal in that you know. These are things that parents do for their kids when they love them. You know, mm -hmm. if there's something that they don't know how to do and the kid asks them to do it, you know, you're going to try to figure it out. You're going to go online and look up the, some, some videos. You're going to call a friend and try to figure it out. So that's really what the book is about, just showing what parents do for their kids when they don't know what to do and they're trying to figure it out. Have you had to deal with folks who will reject your view of reality? I've never encountered that. You know, I wrote a book called Little Leaders, Bold Women in Black History. So it's just a book filled with the stories of black women. And I've had a few people ask me, well, why would you make a book that is only about black women? And it's not, any, you know, a disacknowledgement of anything else in history. It's just saying, like, I want to see these these stories placed all together. So I find yeah, well, that first people... Of all, if anybody actually understands history, they realize... <laughs> who is actually being left out. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Always, you know, again, if you, I think if you ask the average person to name civil rights leaders, uh, even historical civil rights leaders, they will go... You'll hear may, the big Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe they'll mention Mary McLeod Bethune. Maybe. maybe they'll mention Dorothy Hyde. You can forget Septima Clark. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll mention Fannie Lou Hamer. Uh, not Constance Baker, Constance Baker Motley, not Ella Baker or Diane Nash, any mm -hmm. of those names, because, frankly... It's largely been black men. Left out of the mainstream, exactly. Mm -hmm. But so I've found that, 
you know, there are a few questions here and there, but mostly people are just excited. I think we're not trying to replace any part of the story. We're just adding more to the tapestry. So in the children's, you know, section I'll of the bookstore, <laughs> in the children's part of the bookstore, there's, you know, I saw a great book today about a, a white father and his daughter. And it's like, it's a beautiful, lovely story. And our book could sit right next to that. Mm -hmm. Just another reflection of a different reality. So I find that people are being, are very just supportive of it. And maybe it's because we're making children's content and mm -hmm. it's just there to be good and helpful for the world but um, it's a nicer place to be and I'm happy to do it. Well I think I think what it also does first of all I, I think I think you are playing it down some. It's actually way bigger than that mm -hmm. because what is happening now is and let's just cut to the chase uh, America doesn't understand anything unless money is attached. And um, our, we were in a out, so we were in a meeting with a, the National Association of Black Journalists. We mm -hmm. were in a meeting with ABC News, and we were meeting with we would be, we, we meet we meet with all these different networks mm -hmm. about you know their senior leadership team, and we were meeting with them talking about the black executives or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And at one point, uh, I said, "Well, this is the company that made Black Panther, that <laughs> made more than a billion dollars." And folks who have looked at me in the room, and I said it for a reason, because America responds to money. Right. And, I, and what is happening now is you now have a generation of black folks who will readily say, I'm rejecting that. I mean, in fact, I, I, I grew up seeing the children's book and the, and, the, and the white father and the white mother. No, no, no. Y'all got to put some other stuff up here. Mm -hmm. And it is forcing bookstores, it is forcing publishers, it is forcing networks, it is forcing them to understand that America is indeed changing. Mm -hmm. And that if you do not better reflect this changing America, another company will, right. and you're going to lose out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's a great thing about the company that we're with, uh, Coquila Books. Um, you know, Namrata, she is just really focused. It's a, a division of Penguin Random House, and it just focuses specifically on, um, you know, POC authors and people telling their stories. So uh, our book came out on Tuesday. There was another book that came out uh, called uh, My Poppy Has a Motorcycle that speaks to, you know, the Mexican-American experience. And, you know, there's a book coming out later about the Filipino-American experience. And so, you know, these are all just, like really these underserved communities and it's such a niche and we're just so excited to be a part of this family and uh, to be the first book that comes out under that division. How much is the book? What is that? How much is it? How much is it? I believe at $16.99 in stores and like $10.99 if you get it on Kindle. Yeah, they're they looking like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I'm, like, just buy the book. I just looked I, at I think it. it's, different. <laughs> it's different in different stores. Yeah. So we're not sure. But. Okay. Yeah. All right, again, folks, the book is called Hair Love. Yes. Uh, Matthew Cherry, illustrated by Vashti. Harrison, uh, <laughs> check it out uh, and get it today. Sweet. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thank you Thanks so much. Us. All right, fam. Shout out to First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. They recently get calm down, Barbara. That's my church. Okay. All right. Are you tithe? All right. <laughs> oh, my ass oh, got oh, real. Y'all, y'all saw her quiet. She got. No. I, I hit her with do your tithe. Yeah. 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 Okay. Are you do?
Yes, of course I do. Okay, let me text. I'm a church member. Yeah, yeah. Let me text Pastor Jenkins. At do. Oh no. Let me text. He knows yes, me. Yes, yes. Let me text. He knows me. Let me text Pastor Jenkins, uh, who is the uh, senior pastor. Right. Uh, we 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 find out if you actually tithe or oh, you yes. or you give offerings. No. I anyway, y'all. Anyway, y'all. The first Baptist Church <laughs> of Glen Arden in uh, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, uh, they uh, gave out uh, four cars, and so uh, this one woman, Marilyn Lacey, boy, she was happy. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, where in the hell's the video? What, really, Jackie? We had, let, me, let me explain something. No, 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 let me explain something to y'all. We just we sat in the office before the show, three hours before the show, <laughs> and Jackie was begging me to include this in the show, like begging so me to include this in the show. And she was like, it's a four-minute. I said, we are not going to play the whole four-minute video. We're going to play 45 seconds, okay? Oh, they were all excited. We'll play 45 seconds. Now, I actually do the story. I actually go ready. ahead and do the story in the damn video, <laughs> not even ready. ready. Mm. I literally had to stretch uh -oh. longer uh -oh. than what the video is. Now, what I don't understand is how it was in the show. <laughs> and, you know, and in fact, we normally end at 7. It's 7.08. And so oh, you're now Lord. talking about Wait, extra time, oh. uh, and the video wasn't ready. <laughs> so where's the video? <laughs> it ain't there. It's, it's too bad. It's beautiful. Well, roll it! Merlin Lacey. I think Marilyn ran track in college because they actually the original video was four minutes. Y'all, you can run a mile in four minutes. It's the Holy and Spirit. And so, huh? We do it Holy first Spirit. Baptist. Yeah, that's how you. Bar that's Barbara, how you know, do. doggone well, you ain't never ran around the church. Well, Barbara, stop it. <laughs> Barbara, stop. Barbara, just stop. That's what we do it. Barbara, let me try to say that's what we do. No, 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 that's what she do. Let me try to say that's what You're we not do. The only Barbara, one. you know, you ain't ran around church. <laughs> But y'all can't stand black people do that. I, I done run up don't run Don't y'all can't stand black people do that. Somebody else does something. But that's what we do. No, that's what she do. They ain't what you do. I, anyway. I down some steps. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, we're going we gonna to check your eye watch to see how many rings you got. Uh, all right. Uh, final comment. Uh, anything this week what we want to talk about? Uh, we'll start with uh, John. Pray for our country. All right, that was quick. All right, Barbara. Definitely read the Vera Institute report on women and incarceration in jails. LeBlanc, what you got? The fact of the matter is um, our nation is being faced with some um, um, challenges, economic, politically, and socially. Um, so we have to um, rally ourselves and um, um, get educated on the various issues and act accordingly. Don't make decisions based on ignorance. Make decisions based on 
what you've learned and, and, and get the facts straight. So. All right, folks. Well, we appreciate that. Thank you so very much for joining me. Don't forget to support Roland Martin Unfiltered by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com, bringing our, <laughs> join our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, and uh, we're going we're gonna to roll our credits, but also don't forget that if you don't see your name, let us know. Uh, so beginning on, because we, we're emailing everybody the promo code for you have a discount. And so on Monday, uh, actually next week, I'll tell you about uh, some products we have on sale where you can utilize your discount uh, to actually get that. Uh, and, so, and also after this, so again, go to the, join the fan club. The only way you get the discount if you become a member of the fan club. Uh, you can use Cash App, PayPal, or even uh, Square. Now, after this show, we're going to end this live stream. We're gonna act, I'm going to actually uh, play for you my commencement speech earlier to uh, the graduates of Bowie State. Uh, uh, and so trust me, you're going to enjoy that. Y'all know I don't do regular commencement speeches. I'm an irregular commencement speaker. And so this was the 17th commencement I've given, uh, 15 of those at HBCUs. And so I definitely think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, the graduates definitely enjoyed it. Many of them told me that when I shook their hands, they crossed the stage with their getting their degrees. And so we're going to uh, stream that for you right after. Shout out to Dr. Bro, of course, uh, who is the, uh, she brought commencement back to the campus for the last six years. It was held on the campus of University of Maryland. The alumni, they really wanted to have graduation back on their campus. So for the first time this year in six years, uh, graduation at Bowie State was held on the Bowie State campus. Of course, it's the oldest HBCU in the state of Maryland. So, all right, folks, uh, I got to go. I will see you guys uh, Monday from Palm Desert, California, site of Anthony Anderson's uh, third annual Celebrity Golf Classic. And so we'll have uh, sights and sounds from there as well. So you be sure to have a great weekend. Holla! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at FisherHomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Finance provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. 
To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.